أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters and welcome to session number 23 of the A Lesson Per Page Quran program Inshallah today we will be beginning with page number 97 of the Holy Quran I will take my share Sincerely Signed Shaytan. So, yes, sometimes Shaytan will write these little letters as well. Um, with Shaytan, uh, it gets a little tricky. <coughs> sometimes he'll sound like you know he has a lot of power over us. He'll sound like um, you know he'll leave us no choice but to follow him. This. Uh, this page that we're going to discuss, inshallah, and the couple of verses or two or three verses that we're going to discuss, they start off like this. They start off by, you know, implying that it's as if that shaitan has, you know, a hold on us. He has control over us. But that's not the case. I'll talk about that a little bit. And then the verses go into what he tries to do, uh, some of his tactics, um, so that we don't make it to the destination that Allah has created us for. So let's recite the verse uh, or the verses and then get into those details inshallah. Verses number 118 to 120 of Surah An-Nisa. rajim. Shaytan whom Allah has cursed and who said, I will surely take of your servants a settled share. So it's as if there's a share of the servants of God that belong to him, that it's as if uh, Allah owes to him as if, you know, something like that. But that's not the case. We'll talk about that. And I will lead them astray and give them false hopes and prompt them to slit the ears of cattle. And I will prompt them to alter Allah's creation. Whoever takes shaitan as a guardian instead of Allah has certainly incurred a manifest loss. He makes them promises and gives them false hopes, yet shaitan does not promise them anything but delusion. Alright, so the first and foremost most important point that we need to talk about is when he says that I, I, I will take my share. It's as if when, you know, he's, what he's sounding like is that it, it's as if God when he created all of mankind, a share was given to shaitan, hey shaitan, this is your share, like have fun, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that's not the case. Um, the truth of the matter is that shaitan probably knows that people, some people are going to follow him. He knows that some people will give in to their carnal desires. They will listen to him and his whispers. One can say maybe he reached this conclusion after his whole... Um, after his whole interaction with and experience with Prophet Adam 
where he sees that, okay, these people, they will fall for my tricks sometimes. Uh, maybe, maybe, that's just a guess that I'm making right now, that that's how you know he knew. Shaitan knows that some people eventually are going to probably listen to him. Are they going to listen to him because they are his share? No. They are his share because they listen to him. I want us to pay attention to this line. It's not that Shaitan has a share of people that belong to him as if, and he can take to Jahannam, and because they belong to him and they are his share, that's why they listen to him. No, it's the, it's the opposite actually. They listen to him, they obey him, as a result they are his share. They belong to him, he will take them to the hellfire with him. And so um, one should never think, never ever think that Yes, from there, that we are anyone out there is predestined for hellfire and is belongs to shaitan, so to speak. No. Um, once again, we have to fall back on those key verses of the Quran that tell us that Allah does not wrong anyone, even an atom's weight worth of wronging. Okay, so if if people were predisposed and predestined to follow shaitan and end up in hellfire, that would not be fair at all. Everyone understands that this is unjust, this is unfair. That key verse tells us that Allah never does injustice to anybody and never wrongs anybody. So what we get out of this, all of this, is that if shaitan says nasiban mafrudan, a settled share, a uh, pre-arranged share, so to speak, what he means is something else. What what is what the reality is is something else, and this should not dishearten anybody. Okay, but look at look. Let's look at um, how he does things. There are three things here that are mentioned. Number one <clears throat> is that. Um, so before I get into the list of three things, um, what we have to understand is that we have a destination ahead of us that we want to reach. Shaitan does not want us to reach that destination. So how does he make sure that we don't reach that destination? Well, number one, I will definitely, without a doubt, misguide them. So the first thing that he's going to try to do is to try to just erase the destination in, from our minds altogether. Misguide us. Tell us that something else is the destination, which usually is going to be the dunya. Yes, he will replace the Akhirah in our minds and, and in our ideology, our worldview, replace the Akhirah with dunya. He will try to convince us that everything is here, eternity and infinity is here, which of course is not the case. So he gives us the wrong destination. Sometimes he won't give that, he won't do that, maybe it won't work, I don't know. But what he will do is, he will do something so that we don't work for that destination. So we know what the destination is, we just don't work for it properly. Why? Because we are so caught up with other things that are going to take a lot of time out of us but won't get us anything more than dunya. What is that? What am I talking about here? Here it says, I'm going to give them these tall, long, far-fetched uh, wishes that they're going to have. Okay, and so what they're going to do is uh, they're going to try their best to fulfill those wishes, those hopes that they have. So for example, I'll give you an example. Someone is in this life, they are a believer, they know that the Akhirah is to work for, but they are also fooled in thinking that, okay, one of my goals in life is to reach 
uh, a billion dollars. Okay, a billion dollars ain't, no, ain't your piece of cake. It's not going to happen that easily. You're going to have to maybe dedicate your entire life to that. But the question is, do you need a billion dollars to be able to live a good life? No, settle for a million. You know what? I'm good. I'll just uh, do a million, you know. Let's uh, understand that there are some things that are attainable maybe, but we will have to dedicate our entire lives for them. No, no, no. We're here to, uh, you know, make it to the end of our life, you know, living a good, wholesome, above average maybe life. And that's about it. Who wants a billion dollars, right? Now, yes, there, it, you know, it's always good for a mu'min, for a Muslim, to not be in need and to also to reach a point where they can support others so that others of their community are not in need. But at the end of the day, there are some hopes that are too high and one will have to dedicate their life for achieving such a wish, such a hope. And that is what shaitan is using. Okay, so you know the goal is the akhirah, but what you're doing is you're spending time on other things that are going to take your whole life from you and you're like, once I get this done, then I'm going to you know, focus on my akhirah. No, you're not going to get the chance, Habibi, you're not. Alright, once again, let me just open a parenthesis here and, and repeat this. This does not mean that one should not try to invest, one should not try to multiply their wealth and so on, and use it for the cause of Islam. This is a different story, this is an exception to what I'm talking about here. No, some people just, in and of itself, for them it's $1 billion is the goal. I want that many zeros. Why though? Why? Is it for yourself? If it's for yourself, you don't need that much. You know, just get by with a million, you know, just a little puny million. Why Why not? Uh, a little puny 500,000, why not, you know? But these are all just examples that I'm giving. I think the message is pretty clear, brothers and sisters. Now, one more thing before I close this parenthesis is, sometimes even you are going to try your best to get that much wealth to help the cause of Allah even, and the cause of Islam. Yet still that is going to cause you to neglect your own akhirah. Look, brothers and sisters, if we're going to help Islam, if we're going to help the Muslims, it's all good. Alhamdulillah and taqabbalallah. But that should not be at the cost of my own Islam being hurt. If a person wants to reach a billion dollars, all right, so that they can, I don't know, uh, fund a few wonderful Islamic projects, you know, that's, that's wonderful, but um, if it's going to come at the price of me having to not be able to focus in my prayers anymore because I'm always thinking about the company that I'm investing in or working for or whatever, and me always being angry at home, not being able to, you know, uh, have the proper akhlaq at home, why? Because I'm so um, preoccupied with figuring out stuff regarding my startup, regarding my company, regarding my business and all that. If it's going to take away from that even, I would say personally, it seems it doesn't, it's not worth it. My akhirah first, then my family, and this is based on Qur'an. anfusakum wa ahlikum nara. Take care of yourselves and your families first when it comes to the hellfire and protecting yourselves from the hellfire. Then we can worry about others as well. So you do have that list of priorities. Alright, so let's close that parenthesis now. So number two that shaitan will do, Give them high hopes. This guy knows what the destination is, but never gets the chance to work for it. Number three, I will tell them to do things. Okay? I will tell them to do things. Now, sometimes you know the destination and you don't have those crazy high hopes. You don't want to become a billionaire in like three years or something. But you still listen to shaitan when it comes to other things. And that will get Allah upset. 
and he will push you into superstitions. Okay, when you follow shaitan, you fall. You might fall into superstitions, and these superstitions go against the spirit of Islam. They take you away from what is the most important thing, which is Allah subhanahu wa taala and being God-centric, and you will be preoccupied with other things, and you will get Allah upset with you because you are committing bid'ah in the form of superstitions. So there's an example here. He's giving the Quran. Excuse me. Is giving. فَلَا or excuse me, They will slash or they will slit the, the ears of the cattle. What is that talking about here? Um, the, the tafsirs, when you look into them, they're they say that this is talking about a superstition that they had back then where they would slit the ears of a cow or they would completely just amputate it, remove it. And then this cow was now for the idols and dedicated to the idols. You were not to ride it, you were not to eat from it and consume it in any way. And this would be for the idols. Like this was a bid'ah, I don't even want to call it a bid'ah, a form of maybe shirk even. But, in the for, but it, through the means of a superstition and a superstitious understanding and ideology that shaitan apparently had told these people somehow in one way or another had inspired them to do such a thing and believe in such a thing. No, no, this is all rejected. But see, it just shows, shaitan is, is kind of, I, I want to say, showing us in this verse that look at how off some people are, that they're going to follow me in the, most, in the most superstitious ways and with the dumbest ideologies out there. So I'm going to order them and command them and they're going to listen to me when it comes to the dumbest things. And then also, وَلَآمُرَنَّهُمْ I will definitely also command them now here there's two different interpretations for this. The translation says, prompt them to alter Allah's creation. What does that mean? Well, some have said, what it means is that not just slit the ears of cattle, but do other things to the animals as well. Um, and not just that, do very, very wrong things um, that people of the past would do. I don't want to get into details, but yeah, very, very haram things that go against what how we've been created when it comes to um, marriage and things like that even, um, and, and, and other matters related to that. Alright, so I don't want to get into that right now, but that's one interpretation. Changing the way we're supposed to behave, right? Who we're supposed to try to get married to, what we do with cows and cattle and livestock and other animals and other human beings and all of that. Okay? Allah has created us in a certain way with certain uh, dispositions and orientations and then we want to change that. That's one interpretation. Another interpretation that I noticed Allama Taba Taba'i has this one is that no, no, it is to change the creation of Allah, meaning to change the way we uh, we are, uh, well, Allama Tabatabai, he says this is not far-fetched. Let me correct myself. He says it's not far-fetched to have this interpretation as well. So he has that previous one that I mentioned and this one. Ayatollah Makaram, no, he, he says the second one that I'm about to mention only. Um, anyway, what is that second one? Is that Allah has created us with the pure fitra of Allah, of loving Allah, of being inclined towards Allah. Allah in the Quran, He says very clearly, Fitrat Allah, Allati Fatara Nasa Aleha. 
I have created you in a certain way with an inclination towards Allah. Okay, this is what our scholars will say. Now, the verse here is saying Allah, that uh, this interpretation of this part of the verse okay, is that shaitan is going to command us and command us and we're going to follow him. As a result, what are we doing? We are moving away from the fitra that Allah has put in us, that flame that has put, he has put in us that burns in the love of Allah and being inclined towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we will be changing the way God has created us, which is that pure fitra by following shaitan, something like that. All in all, this is what he's doing. These are three or four things that he is going to be doing to us. Once the fitra is damaged and tainted, it's going to get harder for us to come back on track. And so Allah, he ends this verse with this. He says, وَمَن يَتَّخِذِ الشَّيْطَانَ وَلِيًّا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَقَدْ خَسِرَ خُسْرَانًا مُبِينًا Look, if you're going to take him as the one you listen to, your guardian, then you are at a big loss, at a clear loss. Why? Because of the next verse. يَعِدُهُمْ وَيُمَنِّيهِمْ وَمَا يَعِدُهُمُ الشَّيْطَانِ إِلَّا غُرُورًا He is just giving you empty promises. All he does is give you false hopes. All he does is make promises, but he's not going to deliver on those promises. And so is he the one that we're supposed to take as our wali? No, we're not going to take him as our wali and guardian and the one we look up to, we rely on, we fall back on, we lean on. No, because all he is is empty promises. That's what he is. And so here Mufassirin have pointed out a nice point. They say, look, it says, وَمَنْ يَتَّخِذِ الشَّيْطَانِ وَلِيًّا Whoever takes him as a wali. It doesn't say whoever shaitan is his wali, right? Whoever takes shaitan as his wali. In other words, he's not a real wali. He's not a real guardian. It's the problem is that the people, they take him as the wali. And that is when stuff goes downhill. That's when stuff becomes problematic. Why? Because he is nothing but emptiness. He has nothing for us. It is all for himself. And I don't know, some jealousy that he has towards mankind that he wants to misguide us. Page number 98 of the Holy Quran. When it comes to what matters, we are all equal, brothers and sisters. When it comes to what matters, okay? Oh, we have a lot going on in this day and age. We have a lot of um, we have a lot of ideologies out there. We have a lot of isms out there. They say they call it these different isms out there. Sometimes it reaches a point where uh, you feel like they're not in line with the spirit of Islam. So let's talk about that, inshallah. First, let's uh, recite the verse. وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِنَ الصَّالِحَاتِ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فَأُولَٰئِكَ يَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةَ وَلَا يُظْلَمُونَ نَقِيرًا This is verse 124 of Surah An-Nisa. And whoever does righteous deeds, whether male or female, should he be faithful, such shall enter paradise and they will not be wronged, so much as the speck on a date stone. Alright, so whatever speck on a date stone means is very small, something very small, like the smallest you can think. There will be no wronging whatsoever. So there's one condition here, the verse is saying. One condition for your a'mal, your deeds, your good deeds to be accepted. What is that condition? وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ مُؤْمِنٌ That means you have to have iman, you have to have faith. That's it. 
Do I have to be male or female? No, it says male or female. It doesn't matter. It will be accepted by all. So, as I said, th th there are a lot of ideologies out there. There are a lot of isms out there. And so, uh, these isms, some of them you can understand why they have come into existence. They sometimes are a result of the shortcoming of, uh, of others in one way or another. And so you can understand why they're there, why they've come about. But lots of times you notice that they are not in line with the spirit of Islam and the teachings of Islam. And sometimes they might even, the people who adhere to them, to them, they might speak in a way they might not know it themselves. They are going against some of the most clear verses of the Holy Qur'an. Um, what's for sure, okay, is that if we're not paying attention to the spirit of Islam when it comes to certain matters, we might be giving importance through these isms and ideologies that we have, we might be giving more importance to things that don't even matter Islamically. And we're happy that, okay, we've established some form of maybe equality amongst ourselves, amongst each other. All right. All right. So let's talk about this a little bit. Um, what's for sure is that because of the difference uh, the male and the female have, there will be different rules, different guidelines, different responsibilities Islamically and expectations that are there by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, that's for sure. Now, sometimes this may seem as unfair or unjust to some people or that Islam gives preference to a certain gender over the other. And so we have to pay attention to the fact that different rules or different restrictions in this life that we live in does not necessarily mean unfairness. Why? Because what matters in Islam? Let's see what matters in Islam. What is the most important goal in Islam? It is the goal of creation. The goal of creation has to do with the afterlife and securing the afterlife. And to secure the afterlife, what we do in this life has to be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The good deeds that we do have to be accepted by Allah. If they're not accepted, then we are in trouble because the afterlife is going to be compromised. So let's see, when it comes to the afterlife, which is what matters, does it make a difference who we are from a gender perspective? No, it doesn't. It says, whoever, It doesn't matter. Here, when it comes to what matters, gender doesn't play a role. Yes, gender will play a role when it comes to other matters of this life and the responsibilities and expectations that come with a certain gender that we have, okay? That is for sure. But in the end, if every person lives up to what they need to do, Jannah is the reward. And Jannah is something that when, inshallah, inshallah, when we get there, we're going to be like, oh my God, I thought it was hard being a man versus being a woman. Or man, I thought it was hard being a woman versus being a man. But whatever it was, even if it was the hardest, this was really worth it for us. And brothers and sisters, that's how the material world works. Every person, it's not even about gender, let's put gender aside. Other matters, other situations and circumstances that we'll be in, okay, they will dictate to us a certain rule or a certain responsibility that applies to us. Sometimes we can't pray standing, sometimes we can. Sometimes we, we can pray sitting, we can't pray sitting, we have to lay down. Allah will have a different expectation of us. Sometimes I'm traveling, I can't fast. Sometimes I'm traveling, I have to pray qasr, 
um, you know, sometimes I'm ill, I'm sick, I can't fast, and so on and so forth. There are tons of different rules out there for different scenarios and circumstances one might be in. That's because that's how the material world is. Everything isn't uniform and robotic, everything exactly the same, identical. No, no, no. There are a lot of different situations we'll find ourselves in. Every situation will call for a specific responsibility that we have to fulfill. Uh, in all of this, yes, gender will also be there. One person is male, one person is female, and so there will be different rules that apply. If Allah had said, I will accept the good deeds if you're a male or if you're a female, then, that, then we would have had a big problem. But no, when it comes to securing Akhirah, which is all that really matters if a person has a Qur'anic worldview, then what will, what will be of the most significance for us will be to make sure that we are fulfilling our uh, responsibility in any given scenario because that is what constitutes taqwa and obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the verse of Surah Hujrat, verse 13 of Surah Hujrat very clearly makes, uh, makes this statement and it makes it clear. It says, Ya ayyuhan nas, O people, all of the people, it doesn't even say O believers, it says all people, we created you male and female. Yeah, we've 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 divided you up into different tribes and clans and so on and different peoples and and, and races maybe. so that you can identify each other. But no, with all of this multiplicity, with all of this difference and diversity. When it comes to what matters in akramakum and Allahi atqakum, if what matters to you is being uh, noble in Allah's eyes and Allah loving you, then what matters is one thing: how how much taqwa you have, how much God weariness, which I will say translates to how much obedience of God do you have, how much do you listen to Him. However much you listen to him, that much you are noble in his eyes. So it doesn't matter what color you are, what race you are, what ethnicity you are, what gender you are, none of that. When it comes to what matters, yes, um, that, when it comes to what matters, we are all equal. And yes, sometimes for some, it's going to be harder to obey Allah because of the circumstances they're in. A person who's living in the time of Imam Ali or Imam Hussein alayhim salam it's going to be harder for them, but for them to you know live up to their responsibility. But the harder the amal, the more reward it's going to have and entail, inshallah. And that's why the famous uh, hadith or the famous yeah, it's a famous hadith. It says that afdalul amali ahmazuha that the highest of deeds is the hardest one. Some people will have it harder. That is understandable. That is that is something that we have to accept. Yes, it's just how the material world is. But the harder the amal, the hadith is saying, the, 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 the greater the reward, inshallah. Page number 99 of the Holy Qur'an. Don't forget people, we're talking about the one who owns the heavens and the earth, for God's sake. We ain't talking about just some normal person here. Now, we have in this page, page number 99, we have, um, we have one, two, three, four, five, six verses that we want to cover, but they're all pointing to one reality, and that is that, hey people, we're talking about the one who owns the heavens and earth. 
that's who we're talking about here. Before I go on, I just want to say one thing. The Afdal Al-A'mal Ahmazuha, the hadith that I mentioned before, from what I remember, it's a hadith. Um, I'll have to check just to make sure. It might be one of those famous lines that some might say is a hadith, but from what I remember, it is a hadith. So I just wanted to make that disclaimer. Okay, having said that, um, let's go back to page number 99 and recite the verses and then I'll get to the details. Verses 130 to 134 of Surah An-Nisa. وَلِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَقَدْ وَصَّيْنَا الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ وَإِيَّاكُمْ أَنِ اتَّقُوا اللَّهِ وَإِنْ تَكْفُرُوا فَإِنَّ لِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَنِيًّا حَمِيدًا وَلِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا إِن وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلَى ذَلِكَ قَدِيرًا مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ ثَوَابَ الدُّنْيَا فَعِنْدَ اللَّهِ ثَوَابُ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ سَمِيعًا بَصِيرًا But if they separate, Allah will suffice each of them out of His bounty and Allah is all bounteous, all wise. To Allah belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on the earth. We have certainly enjoined those who were given the book before you and you that you should be wary of Allah. So it's saying, we told the Ahlul Kitab, those who had the book before you and you yourselves as well. We've told all of them and you that you should be wary of Allah. Ittaqullah. But if you are faithless, you should know that to Allah indeed belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on the earth. And Allah is all sufficient, all laudable. To Allah belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on the earth and Allah suffices as trustee, as a wakil, you can trust and rely on. If He wishes, He will take you away, O mankind, and bring others in your place. Allah has the power to do that. Whoever desires the, re whoever desires the reward of this world should know that with Allah is the reward of this world and the hereafter and Allah is all hearing all-seeing. Okay, if you noticed um, there's something that is repeated in these verses and that's the point of bringing all of these verses here in this page. These verses, um, what we find repeated in them is the line to Allah belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on the earth. Yes, inna lillahi ma fi samawati wa ma fil ard. Everything on the heavens and the earth. Okay, so why is it repeated three times? That's what we want to talk about here, and uh, we want to get a big lesson out of all of this. Okay, which um, you know I called it. You know, people, let's not forget who we're talking about here, which is it's Allah, the the one who owns everything. All right, so. Before I get into that detail, the reason why I say people, let's not forget, it's because you know Allah through the Quran, just the fact that He's speaking to us, just the fact that He's speaking to us sometimes will spoil us in the sense of we forget that He doesn't even have to speak with us. Who are we 
for him to speak with us. I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, let's talk about celebrities. Let's talk about <clears throat> um, you know, very famous people. For example, I don't know, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, you know, these examples that I'm always using, right? Think about it. <clears throat> if he if if these guys, if these people they send us um and forget about celebrities. Let's talk about like Ayatollah Sistani, let's say, for example. Ayatollah Bahjat. I don't know. These people even. <coughs> if they are to um, if they are to send us a message, yes, a, 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 a direct or private message that is for us only, how special is that? Do they have to do that? No. <coughs> they don't have to. But if they do, it makes us feel so special, right? Now what if they send us another message, and another message, and another message, and then 600 pages worth of messages? Well, it might reach a point where we forget that this person was pretty important, and they don't even have to be in touch with me. That's out of their um, grace that they are in touch with me this much. The Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have to send it down to us this much, right? He didn't have to speak to us. He didn't have to go out of his way. He didn't have to bring himself down sometimes. If you remember, we talked about this before. Um, where he says, مَنْ لَهُ uh, who, who is willing to lend Allah money? Allah doesn't need money. He's the one who gave us the money. Why does he even have to say it like that? But he's saying it like that so we make the, the right decision. right? So he's bringing himself down. So it's very easy for us to forget who we're talking to, or better yet, who is talking to us. And so in these verses, he reminds us that, hey, hey wait a minute, hey people, uh, don't forget who you're talking to, or who's talking to you actually. But let's now let's go, let's go into the verses themselves and talk about the context of it. Verse 130 says, if they separate, who's they? Who is it talking about? Well, it's talking about husband and wife who want to get divorced. The verse is saying, look, if they divorce eventually and they separate, Allah will sustain them both, will give rizq to both of them. Ghina means to be um, not to not be in need of anything. Anyway, Allah will suffice each of them out of his bounty, and Allah is all bounteous, all wise. So someone someone might think to themselves, but when they separate, you know, especially with the wife. It's going to be hard and all of that. <clears throat> but Allah says, look, don't forget who's speaking here. It's me. The one who everything in the heavens and everything in the earth belongs to. So our Mufassireen have explained here. They have said that the reason, the, the reason for the first time Allah is saying to Allah belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on the earth is to to repel and cast away that doubt that might creep into some people's minds right here when Allah is saying, I'll take care of them when they separate. Okay, so that's one. Then the second uh, mention of this is in verse 131 where he says, listen people, obey Allah, have taqwa of Allah, and if you are faithless and you instead prefer kufr, that Allah to Allah belongs everything in the heavens and, and on earth. Well, why is he saying this now? Because don't think 
that Allah is the one is, who is in need of you obeying Him and being wary of Him. He's the one in need of you being conscious of Him. No, no, He's not the one in need of that. Why? Because everything belongs to Him already. So in other words, you're the ones who need it. He's, and if He is telling you to do this, He's doing it for your own sake. Yes, that is, that is, that is what He's trying to let us know according to the Mufassirun here in this second mention of that line. Okay, what about the third mention? Verse 132 repeats the same line again. وَلِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا He's the one that you can rely on. He, is, he suffices as a trustee. Why is it mentioning this for the third time? Because of the next verse they say. Verse 133, don't think you're all special and like he's in love with you so much that you know if you're not going to listen to him if you're going to ignore him you're not going to be God wary that like he's going to be he's not going to do anything about it he doesn't need to do anything about it or he can't do anything about it because he's just so uh, dependent on you and so attached to you all oh mankind no that's not how it is if he wants, he will delete you, all right, or shift delete you, and he will bring another creation of his, another people, right? Don't think that he's all in love with you. Yes, as our creator, we have to understand, he is in love with us. The, 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 the biggest sinners of us even, like we have these hadiths that the person who sins, uh, if I get the wording right here, the one who sins, if he knew how much Allah still loves him, then that person would like die out of you know the love, right? <clears throat> we do have this. So it's not that he's trying to say here, I don't love you, brothers and sisters. He's, say, he's saying, look, I don't need you at all. If I can, for, like for that matter, just get rid of all of you and bring another group. That's how much I don't need you. Okay. So don't think that, you know, the fact that all, you, all the sinning that you're doing, all the disobedience that you're exhibiting and exercising, if I'm not getting rid of you, it's because I need you, I'm attached to you or something like that. No, it's not about that at all. If I want, I can do that. But that's not the case. I'm going to give you the chance. And then, and then he ends with this, that whoever wants the, the, the dunya, I, Allah has the dunya and the akhirah. People, wake up. Everything is His. And so that's the lesson we get out of page 99 is that don't forget who is speaking to you in the Qur'an. And if he sometimes might sound like he wants you, he needs you, he likes you, he depends on you, he's attached to you and all that, no, 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 no that's not the case. That's just, him being, that's just him being the super awesome entity and being he is. Right? Don't let that get to you because once death comes, then you'll find out that, oh my God, that was the case and I didn't take care of myself and now he's not going to have my back because I don't have, I'm empty-handed. Okay. That is the lesson we get out of this. Lillahi ma fis samawati wa ma fil ard. Page number 100 of the Holy Quran. Do not be cool with the enemies of God. Like what's wrong with you munafiqeen? We'll talk about this. The munafiqeen, they... They're cool with the enemies of God. That's the problem with this munafiqeen. They want to be on both sides. You can't be on both sides. You got to choose a side. Now, 
this verse speaks of some of the traits of the munafiqeen, the hypocrites, and how they are with the enemies of God. <clears throat> These people, who sits with a wolf, right? You don't sit with the wolves, but the munafiqeen do. And so there are some traits in here that us as Muslims have to be super careful about to not emulate, to not follow, because that is a one-way road to disaster for us and our faith and Allah's wrath. Verse, um, verses number 138 to 140 of Surah An-Nisa. الْمُنَافِقِينَ بِأَنَّ لَهُمْ عَذَابًا أَلِيمًا الَّذِينَ يَتَّخِذُونَ الْكَافِرِينَ أَوْلِيَاءَ مِنْ دُونِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَيَبْتَغُونَ عِنْدَهُمُ الْعِزَّةَ فَإِنَّ الْعِزَّةَ لِلَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَقَدْ نَزَّلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الْكِتَابِ أَنْ إِذَا سَمِعْتُمْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ يُكْفَرُ بِهَا وَيُسْتَهْزَأُ بِهَا فَلَا تَقْعُدُوا مَعَهُمْ حَتَّى يَخُوضُوا فِي حَدِيثٍ غَيْرِهِ إِنَّكُمْ إِذًا مِثْلُهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ جَامِعُ الْمُنَافِقِينَ وَالْكَافِرِينَ فِي جَهَنَّمَ جَمِيعًا Inform the hypocrites that there is a painful punishment for them. Those who take the faithless for allies instead of the faithful do they seek honor with them? So like they're going to the faithless to like gain honor. <clears throat> if so, indeed all honor belongs to Allah. Certainly he has sent down to you in the book that when certainly he has sent down to you in the book that when you hear Allah's signs being rejected and mocked, do not do not sit with them until they engage in some other discussion. or else you too will be like them. Indeed, Allah will gather the hypocrites and the faithless in hell all together. Alright, so <clears throat> these verses are very clear about how important it is to be careful who you're hanging out with. So it's talking about the munafiqeen, but we need to be careful when it comes to ourselves that we don't follow these footsteps because these are not good footsteps. These are, are not footsteps that you want to follow. These hypocrites, what do they do? They take the kafirin as allies. Kafirin meaning the ones who are totally against Islam. Okay, the, the munafiqeen, what do they do? They, on the outside, they're with the Muslims, but on the inside, they're there with the kuffar. The kuffar themselves, the disbelievers who know the truth and have rejected it knowingly and, and willingly, they, even on the outside, are against Islam. <clears throat> so you don't take them as your friends and you hang out with them or something. No, no, that's not how it works. You cannot take them as your friends, allies versus the mu'mineen instead of the mu'mineen. Why would you want to even do that in the first place? Well, the Quran says why they're, they're doing it. They are seeking izzah. The enemies of God, <clears throat> you are seeking izzah and honor and greatness through them. That's why you take them as your awliya, as your allies, as your friends. The ones who are deliberately against Islam. Not your non-Muslim friend who doesn't know any better. That's a different story. I'll talk about that later. <clears throat> Alright? If you're friends with John or Jack or Robert or something, that's fine per se. Alright? As long as he's not an enemy of God or knows the truth, that Islam is the truth and has turned away from it. These people, during the time of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, they know who the enemies of Islam are, the enemies of Allah are, yet they're still taking them as allies and friends? 
because they feel like they can gain some greatness and honor through them and izzah through them. Now Allah doesn't say that they're not going to give you izzah. All Allah says is, hey, you got it wrong. You got it wrong, buddy, because the target that you're looking for isn't there. You hit, you missed the target. فَإِنَّ الْعِزَّةَ لِلَّهِ جَمِيعًا Izzah is here with me, Allah says. You're going after them for izzah? Mistake number one, you, you, you turn to them as allies and friends. Number two, you, you did this because of izzah, while izzah is all with me, and you can only find it with me. So what is your problem? Brothers and sisters, sometimes that's what we do as Muslims. There will be people who are enemies of God, enemies of the teachings of the Qur'an, yet we feel like if we cling to these people and stick ourselves to these people, we're going to get something out of it. The izzah and honor that they have will rub off on us or something. <clears throat> that is villa, that is lowliness, that's not izzah. And here and there you find this, in this day and age you find this, that people will go to the enemies of God, the enemies of the Muslims, yes, and get a little too close for comfort, man. Like that's too much. If you are do, if you are practicing taqiyya, for example, okay, this much was necessary. You don't need to go all out to the point where you're like, you're you're too close. Yeah, each case is going to be different, of course, brothers and sisters. Every case is going to be different. Sometimes the situation dictates that you go all out. Sometimes fifty percent. Sometimes thirty percent. But like all in all. We have to understand that izzah is somewhere else and if we're doing it when it's not necessary just to gain some izzah, then the izzah is with Allah is in, in, in Allah's hands. But let's 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 go on now. So don't be don't be don't don't belittle yourselves. Don't be don't dishonor yourselves and try to find it elsewhere. Honor is with Allah. But then it goes on. It says, Look, you are hanging out with these people, you're cool with these people, and when you gather <coughs> and you are together, what they're doing is they're making fun of Allah's signs. They are rejecting Allah's signs. No, 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 no. The Qur'an says don't hang out with them when they're doing this. The only time you can hang out with them if you are, according to our Mufassirun, based on this verse, is if they If they're going to talk about other things, Okay, then fine, you're going to be hanging out with them, fine. <clears throat> but if they're going to be doing something like this, no. And th so this shows that you, even if you tell them not to, they're not going to listen, that shouldn't be enough for you to just stay there. No, you got to get up and leave because that is another form of Amr al-Ma'roof and Nahi an al-Munkar. So that's what you should be doing. That's what you should be doing. The, the signs of Allah are not to be messed around with and joked about. Alright, so la taqudu ma'ahum, don't sit with them. So once again, brothers and sisters, where that where does that put us? If this is the kuffar, then if I'm even hanging out with a Muslim friend, a non-Muslim friend, anybody, if they're making fun of the signs of Allah, then that's something for me to like, you know, be very serious about. But all in all, brothers and sisters, we as Muslims have to take uh Islam, take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, take all of this very very seriously yes you can have friends yes you can hang out and all that but if they are enemies of god that's one red line if they're mocking or rejecting the signs of allah in your face and maybe even because you're there that's also another red line that we need to maybe 
uh, observe and be careful about. Or else the verse says, إِنَّكُمْ إِذَنْ مِثْلُهُمْ If you don't do that, if you don't listen and take heed to what we're telling you, or else you too will be like them. No difference here. You didn't do your responsibility in a situation like this. What is the, what is the outcome of that? That you are like them. You are no different than them. And so that is horrible. Because they were kuffar, but we, we are, we're supposed to be like, you know, uh, we're not kuffar. So at worst, best case we are, or worst case actually here, these munafiqeen, yes, these munafiqeen and ourselves who might be with them sometimes, we're Muslim, we're not kafir, but then we're going to be labeled as the kuffar, just like them. That is the worst. And so these munafiqeen, brothers and sisters, they're on the fence. They are on the fence, but, um, well, I don't want to even say they're on the fence. They, we'll talk about them in our next session um, and the next page that we'll cover. So I'll just leave that, for, uh, leave that for our next session, inshallah. And I will wrap up by saying that this reminds me of the story of Prophet Salih, alayhi salam. Prophet Salih, when the camel was miraculously given to them and shown to them, the Qur'an says that you are supposed to respect this camel, don't, don't bother it, don't get in its way, and all that kind of stuff. What did, they, what did the people do? One of them killed the camel, but the others were there. They didn't do anything about it. They were maybe encouraging it. As a result, everyone got in trouble. And so these verses that we covered are also letting us know that, hey, that might apply, that same deal might apply to you. We seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma nawwir qulubana bil Qur'an wa zayyin akhlaqana bil Qur'an. وَنَجِّنَا مِنَ النَّارِ بِالْقُرْآنِ وَأَدْخِلْنَا الْجَنَّةَ بِالْقُرْآنِ اللهم اجعل القرآن لنا في الدنيا قرينا وفي القبر مونسا وعلى الصراط نورا وفي الجنة رفيقا ومن النار سترا وحجابا وإلى الخيرات كلها دليلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته